said I wasn't going to drink, but I'm going to have to. Hello there. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Let's see what happens. Uh, oh, very nice. The old classic Sam Adams winter lager. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So uh, we got some uh, great, great followers that have joined us in the chat. We got a new follower, a Black Jedi. Thank you for joining us here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I'm not screaming, am I? I think it's my, I just came back from a, a TV live shot, so I'm in that reporter. Why room. am I talking so loudly? Why? And, oh my God, I'm so super excited the uh, one, the only Luke Skywalker, our Jedi Master extraordinaire, has joined us as well. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I can die uh, comfortable now. If a T sixty five X wing were to pull up in this episode, oh, I mean, how man. badass would that be? Nah, nah, nah. So I say, no, it can't be Luke Skywalker. They would never do that. They don't have the balls to put Luke Skywalker on this show. It's gonna be uh, one of our. Uh, you know, second tier Jedi. It's going to be, you know, Cal Kestis. It's not going to be Luke. No, it'd be pretty cool if a T-65 uh, X-Wing were to show up. Well, well, there you go. You had the first laugh. You had the last laugh. That's the story of this season. I've been wrong <laughs> every single time, and I'm completely okay with it. And, you know, here's the funny thing. I mean, I, you know, again... You talked about uh, the Hail Mary and uh, it's a long shot. I was close. <laughs> uh, go for the long shot, Brad. Yep. Home run, goal, whatever the term is. But uh, that, uh, you know, I, I, that's what I wanted. I, I think, uh, you know, I said it before. I, I think, you know, Luke was the, uh, the only one that made sense, narratively speaking. I didn't think it was going to happen. I really didn't think it was going to happen. But yeah. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it when we get there to that point, but, uh, holy cow, I want to, uh, wow. There's a lot of people in the chat. Thank you guys for joining us, uh, on our Sunday Scarif live, uh, a special surprise. I know we teased it a couple minutes ago, but, uh, we are super happy and super privileged uh, to have, uh, our sisters from red five network, join us forces of light. I'm going to bring them out in a second. Uh, but, uh, Brad, how are you guys, how are you doing over there, man? Uh, I can't complain. Uh, I'm uh, looking forward to the to Christmas this week, and uh, we got our early Christmas present uh, on Friday with this episode. Um, as we we've been saying the last few episodes, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan, and uh, they gave us a, a couple more reasons uh, to be to be uh, happy to be Star Wars fans this week. So we'll get into all that. But uh, how's life in? Uh, Windy City. Life in the Windy City. It was a beautiful day today in Chicago. Uh, I walked around, did my thing without a jacket. Uh, but you know, once uh, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, once the sun started to kind of go down, it got a little chilly. Uh, I had to bring the jacket back uh, on. But, uh, yeah, life is good, man. Uh, look at everybody in the chat. We got uh, Phoenix Nightflame, Dale, Wesley Snipes, y'all. Backyard Tardis. And uh, Mr. Rez. Who else we got? Dave. Again, thank you for staying up way past your bedtime. We're we're gonna try to um, try to make this one uh, a little. Uh, I don't know if we can make it shorter, man, because this is uh, this one. No, is really. Uh, he he knows what he's in for. Oh, yeah. and I, I forgot. I was gonna start off with our public service announcement about knowing your geography and then uh, knowing your history and your cult culture. You know, I was uh, uh, inaccurately accused Dave of being uh, British, and that was completely right. totally wrong. 
Uh, he is from the great, fantastic country of Wales, you know, England's neighbor, but definitely not England, uh, with a completely rich history uh, of, of their own. So, yes, a member of the UK, but definitely not England. So, uh, thank you to our Welsh friend, and um, uh, he sent me a message of all the different uh, contributions that the folks of Wales have had to the Star Wars universe, and they are massive. I mean, they, you know. Uh, cast and crew uh, yeah. Star Wars wouldn't be the same without the, the Welsh contribution. Uh, so thank you to Wales and thank you for Dave uh, for not taking it too personally when I uh, called you uh, a dirty Brit. So, uh, I mean, uh, 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 I don't mean that to all of our English, uh, both of our English <laughs> listeners, but uh, thanks Dave for, for being here, but uh, we couldn't have this party just by ourselves. Could we? We could not have this party by ourselves. Uh, we wanted to join uh, our sisters, like I said, our sisters of the Red Five Network, two of the most wonderful ladies that uh, that we have on board, Forces of Light Entertainment. Let's bring them on. And uh, they just finished uh, their uh, live uh, stream as well. And uh, I'm really glad that they were able to join us. Uh, hold on a second here. Let's uh, push a couple of buttons and switch them up over here. Ladies, how's it going? Hello. Yeah, it's going good. Thanks for, uh, I was excited when you guys asked us to come on. Yes, glad to be here. Well, there's, there's too much fun uh, to have uh, on our own. We had, we had to share. Uh, <laughs> no, you guys have been talking about it since Friday and uh, all the ugly tears that were shed. Oh, there, there were some ugly tears hey, from, she, from, from her. <laughs> she's putting it all on me, but I think she had a few of her own. I sympathetically cried once I heard loud bursts of tears from behind me. <laughs> so I had to got, let it out. It was only healthy. Yeah. So you liked this episode a little bit is what you're saying. I did. Oh, it was it was just fantastic. It had me in my feelings for sure. I mean, I couldn't even believe it got Natalie up out of the couch screaming. <laughs> That's what it did. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll we'll get to that uh, that part uh, because I too, and I just watched it. I watched it the third time with my son, and uh, it's wonderful to watch it with you know other people that haven't seen it or obviously your children because uh you're watching it through their eyes and it's really super exciting um so yeah he got up multiple times and started jumping around and it was really great um so brad how do you want to start out uh we have well, I mean, a lot they, to they, talk about they, let's they, go for it yeah they get right to it with the action we 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 open it up and there's a lambda class shuttle i know we both appreciate the lambda class shuttle uh being chased by none other than the slave one Got to say, as always, I love the, the sound effects coming from the Slave One. Those lasers are just amazing. But uh, they got right to it with that uh, dialogue uh, between the Imperial pilot and with uh, Cara Dune. That was a, that was a pretty dark Imperial uh, you know, pilot there uh, when he asked her you know, if she was on Alderaan and how he saw Alderaan being blown up from the Death Star. Uh, it reminded me of both of our, uh, you know, our episode on propaganda as well as our conversation with uh, Claudia Gray, uh, you know, with Lost Stars and how the Empire uh, saw the destruction of Alderaan and how they looked on the rebels as terrorists. Uh, so they, they, they raised some uh, pretty good questions and has some pretty deep dialogue right off the bat. Um, what do you think of that uh, scene? Uh, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Yeah, you can go. Yeah, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed the scene. And I think uh, for me, Kara's reactions and him playing with her is what made that so good of him just like, 
it, it's like he basically wanted to die at that point. Like he just kept pushing I mean, her button. It seemed that way. It's like, yeah. And when she says like you, you'd said in the live stream, like which one it's like, yeah. she was just like, come on, give me a little more ammunition. That's all I need. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's sitting there he taunting, just kept going. I mean, taunting her about watching her home world just blown to smithereens. And I mean, it was basically almost like the way there can be suicide by cop, it was almost like suicide by Cardoon, uh, Ranger of the New Republic. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. It was, uh, again, you know, Brad, you mentioned it, uh, the fact that we, I, I think we pointed uh, one or two people to our propaganda episode because it really, you know, really reminded me of that uh, discussion that we had and how, you know, one side can be, uh, you know, can have those terrorist attributions, uh, but it just depends on, you know, who writes the history books. It depends on who is telling the story. So um, definitely, uh, definitely an interesting thing. And, and I love the fact that they're kind of bringing that back into Star Wars, a little, a little bit of the behind the scenes politics, which is always intriguing to me. I know a lot of people like the uh, lightsabers, laser swords and pew pews, but uh, I'm also into the, <laughs> You know the the uh, the the politics of of uh, you know the motivation of all these characters, and it's uh, it's always a fascinating thing. Yeah, I thought he was the one that said he didn't have a death wish, but I guess maybe that was his partner uh, flying the shuttle that said that. Because if he didn't have a death wish, uh, he sure didn't act like it, uh, taunting Kara like that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he quickly got what was coming to him, uh, care of Kara Dune. Uh, and I don't think any, I don't think uh, Din Jaren had any problem with that either. No, um, <laughs> I mean, she she lost everybody, and that's why she uh, joined the New Republic. But uh, they take Slave One quickly, uh, meeting up back with Bo-Katan. Did you think we were going to see the Bo-Katan and her crew, or at least some of her crew, on this episode, ladies? Yeah, I, th I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I just think they they've been setting that up. The paths were kind of aligning for that to happen. Yeah, and I didn't know, would it happen organically? Like, she happens to just track him down, find, trying to get the Darksaber, and they meet. But, I mean, it worked out. Of course, he just went and found her. Yeah, and, and what a I, shot that I was going to talk about that shot right there when they landed with the Lambda-class shuttle there, Slave One, and Bo-Katan ship. I just that was a that was a piece of art. I love when Star Wars kind of hangs on a shot, so it gives you the time to appreciate the scenery. Um, somebody had pointed out that there was uh, a uh, Corellian freighter, a freighter that flew uh, overhead. So um, I don't know. We're gonna have to kind of uh, look, you know, behind there and and see. But uh, I love that shot. I loved it a lot, and uh, I, I think that's when they were coming down the ramp of uh, of uh, Boba Fett's ship. But uh, what about that scene in the bar? That was an amazing thing. A couple of things that we had to touch on, on, on as far as the uh, the story and how I love the discussion between Boba Fett and um, what's her name? What What is her name? The um... So we, we have Casca Reeves. Obviously, Bo-Katan's there. And Casca Reeves uh, is, is the other character. And, uh, you know, I what I love about what Tamora Morrison's doing is he's playing this differently than he played Django. You can tell the you can tell a distinct difference between Boba Fett and Django Fett. Uh, I think Django was a little more professional, uh, but Boba has much more of an edge to him. And I think you know same actor, so to play two different characters like that, I think he's doing a great job. But that was quite. Uh, those were some pretty damning accusations from Bo-Katan and from Casca uh, Reeves, uh, saying that he wasn't uh, a, a Mandalorian. And calling Django his donor, 
and Seven's right. father. Um, Force of Light, what did you think about that scene and that interaction there? Yeah, that was an intense scene. It was. It seemed like a lot of uh, bad blood between them. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, what, what does he say? It never said that I was. Yeah, because she's like, was you're response. not you're not a Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like a fight in school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she said, uh, you know, I've, I've heard your voice a thousand times before. So Filoni being Filoni takes it right back to the Clone Wars cartoon. And, you know, they did have those conversations about the Fets on, on the Clone Wars cartoon, uh, saying that Django wasn't, oh, look, there's, there's, there's Grogu. He, we get to see him again. <laughs> Mine's sleeping upstairs, of course. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and then we get into that little fight. And I got to say again, I love how jetpacks are being used by the yeah. Mandalorians and all these little tangles that they have. That was uh, quite the fight between uh, Boba and uh, Costco Reeves, I think. Yeah, yeah I it was fantastic. I uh, just want to acknowledge uh, folks in the chat. Fandaz, thank you for joining us. Followers of the Force Podcast. David, I hope you're enjoying the discussion. And uh, FACPA Podcast, what is up? Thank you very much. Amanda, one of our uh, patrons, thank you very much for joining us. So, uh, yeah, I I really loved uh, that interaction in the the bar. Um, A lot of things were said. And uh, that, uh, you know, that roughness between the characters was really, really great. I think, uh, you know, where else have we seen the jetpacks being used like that in uh, in hand to hand battles? I think, uh, you know, Rebels, Clone Wars, uh, you know, Dave Filoni is obviously bringing in some of, uh, you know, some of that uh, fighting style into the show. And I love it. it. Really looks great. And it, and it looks natural, you know, it's, you know, it, they've integrated it perfectly into these fight scenes. They're not making a big deal about it. Just a little boost from the jetpack, give them a little edge. Sure. Um, but I like how they, they had a little tussle and then they, they kept going. I think it's a very Mandalorian thing to do. And uh, so then they uh, went ahead and made their plan. Uh, Fennec Shand, of course, is with them. I love, you know, that we got the news this week. I don't know if you saw that, uh, but uh, she announced uh, her actress, uh, uh, Ming uh, announced on Twitter that that was definitely her in the uh, trailer that we got for the Bad Batch. Yeah. So it looks like cool. we're getting a lot more history on Fennec Shan, uh, Shan and uh, really looking forward to that. But uh, I, I like how they, they, they schemed and they, they did their little plan to, to get aboard the cruiser. Um, and, of course, we have uh, Dr. Pershing and all this. And uh, oh, yeah. what do you guys think about uh, Dr. Pershing's uh, character? You know, I, I want to point out that uh, only t- including him, only two, I th- and guys in the chat can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, only two characters in the Star Wars universe ever have ever worn uh, glasses. And uh, it's Dr. Pershing. And I will, I will send out a prize to whoever in the chat can tell me who the other uh, person in the Star Wars universe wore glasses. Let, let me see which, if I can find something while you're... Uh, which uh, can, can you give us the trilogy? Which trilogy? I, I can't, because that might be... <laughs> no. I, I mean, again... That's going to bug you, me the whole show now. I'm going to be thinking about that instead of this episode. I know, I know. I mean, you, like I said, you, you you cut me and I bleed Star Wars, so it's all in here. So you, got, you guys have to really think about what other character in something star wars okay i'll give you one hint it's not animated something. what character in 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 a star wars property was uh the other person that um that wore glasses in in star wars 
I swear, yeah, I'm not, if we're, I don't know. If we're going a holiday special on this. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, no holiday, no holiday. But uh, we'll come back if you guys remind me. Uh, I'll let you guys know. Oh, I, mean, I th did they have the answer in the chat? I mean, Moscanata did wear some. some yeah, but I'm talking about like, like physical glasses. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you know, that, good try, Moz or uh, Luke. Good try. Good try. You know, and what I love about his glasses, it's really like 1960s John Lennon, you know, yeah. Beatles type glasses. And I think it's amazing that the, an imperial scientist is wearing John Lennon glasses, you know, in a galaxy far, far away. Exactly. You know, he might be a nerd, but he's still cool. Okay. Oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love that his actor loves Star Wars so much and loves being a part of the Star Wars universe. Uh, it'll be great to, you know, hopefully meet him at a Star Wars celebration or a, you know, a con sometime in the future. He he really loves being part of this uh, this story. Um, you know, he mentioned the 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 dark troopers, and we'll get back to them. We'll, we'll see them later on. But you know, uh, mentioned that there's a platoon full of them when, when they get on board. But uh, I love when they came out of hyperspace, and I love man that. Ro, we're, we're geeks for this Imperial stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Seeing those TIE fighters being readied and then just shot out the gut uh, <laughs> of that cruiser. That, that, was a, that was a hell of a scene. Yeah, let's backtrack because uh, yeah. let's, let's talk about that scene where uh, Mando faces off that dark trooper. Wow. Woo. Yeah. I thought that, I mean, obviously, I, I, I really didn't think that he was going to, you know, that was going to be the end of it. But uh, talk about uh, close calls. That was a really, really strong battle. And I loved seeing that. Well, that we don't really have to backtrack because that happens after the scene that I was just describing. So. Okay, good. You're actually forward tracking. <laughs> that, that's all right. I was thinking that, but as the guest, I wasn't going to say. <laughs> we keep each other honest. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> but yeah, so they, they were able to uh, crash land the Lambda class shuttle there. And uh, that was that was pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, then they immediately part ways once they get on board the cruiser. Um, the amazing scenes with uh, all the female characters, uh, all the all the tough women on here, like we posted on social media, it just happened naturally. They didn't have to force yes. that issue. Just a bunch of badasses. They were badasses first and then they were women after that. I think, you know, that's how I looked at it. Um, there Absolutely. were badasses that just happened to be women, I guess I should say. Uh, they, they were definitely women first. Uh, but uh, in, in these scenes, they were just badasses. Uh, it didn't matter what gender they were. Um, but, yeah, that, that scene, these they made these dark troopers, I think, terrifying in these shows. I, yeah. Well, and I said so they're very uh, Terminator-like, you know, very – they're intimidating. They seem indestructible. I mean, they, no emotion. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, no. there is no yeah. human in there, <laughs> you know, so they are a little uh, terrifying, you know, and yeah, I really felt for Mando when it's like, you know, just the, the urgency of like, man, nothing's working. Like I've tried this. I've tried this. Okay, let me pull out the whistling birds. Okay, nothing's going, you know, it just feels indestructible. And, you know, and then ultimately he finally finds the one weak spot. Yeah, and he goes for it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely soulless. I mean, they he even mentioned it. Uh, you know, what, you know, a couple episodes ago, there's one thing that was holding them back, and that was the humans that were inside the suits. So this being, uh, I think they called it a Gen Three model. They took care of that, and they just took humans out of the equation. 
Uh, and these guys are soulless. And I love, uh, and we, we've said it before. I love that Mando can get his ass kicked in this show. It's okay oh, yeah. for the, yeah, the protagonist not to win every single fight. I don't think anybody wants to see that. I, I love that he barely lived through one. So I was, I was really, really curious. Of course, then we had the kind of, I thought it was a little bit cheesy uh, with, with the airlock. Even my son's like, why do they have a, why do they have a door in the back of that room uh, for these guys <laughs> well, to fly right out the back? But, that's you know, how they get shipped. They get, that's how they get shipments, and then they open. It's like the opening the garage door, and they bring them in. Easily explainable, Brad. Everything's easily explainable in the Star Wars universe if you just let it be. Um, and uh, I just want to break in. Uh, Fan dads and Luke has the answer to my question regarding the uh, glasses. And who else? Who is that? Is? Who is that? <laughs> the uh, the Ewok movie. Uh, Wilford. Oh Ridley. come on! Oh my gosh! Come no. on, man! It's, it's no it's canon. It's canon. It's not canon. It's not canon. As, as much as I love the Ewoks, I love those little murder bears. Uh, this that is not canon. So I, I'd rather stick with Maz Kanata than who whoever that was. <laughs> But oh, yeah. but but if we are going to talk about the the women scene, it really just was like that. Truly, is how you do it because say watching Endgame where they do all the women together, oh I literally oh. It, it's like it's like <laughs> exactly. it's, it's cringy. Like oh, yeah. I literally as a woman, and I love awesome women characters. I I roll my eyes and kind of laugh because it's it's like. Hey guys, it's a bunch of women together. <laughs> but uh, and it's like this just happens. Like it just happens to be four women that are working like a unit, being awesome, and are incredible warriors, incredibly skilled warriors, taking people out. And you know, like you said on our, our, you know, it's organic. It's not yes. forced like some things are. It's not cheesy. It was much more the way I feel like going back and watching movies say in the eighties or nineties with really good female characters, it was where they don't have to tell you they're awesome. They just show you, they're you awesome. know, speaking of Terminator. Yeah. You know? Like they just, they just yeah. let it happen. A instead of having to sometimes in, in modern movies, they, they almost have to force it a little too much. And it just shouldn't have to be that way because when it, you can make it natural and like, that's why this stands out to all of us. It wasn't in your face. It just happened, and it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, L Linda Hamilton was a badass throughout all the Terminator movies. Yeah. And it was, you know, that was just her character because the character came first, uh, you know, not the gender. But, uh, yeah, I was yeah, – Ro, did you have something? Yeah. Uh, so Phoenix Nightflame has a question. What happened to the male Mando who was with Bo in Episode 3? And um, – I want to He's say, you know, we're, we're, we're all talking about uh, the strong women and that shot uh, where, uh, you know, they, they definitely kick some butt. Uh, but do you guys feel that uh, that he was taken off the roster just so they could have that scene? It's like, That's oh, cool. Uh, you know, awesome women, except for that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't thought about it that way, but that probably is why. They'll clearly explain it. They can't explain it very easily, but that had to be behind the thinking when they were making the show. Like he was going to cramp their stuff. He was. He, he was going to ruin this awesome moment we're talking about. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I mean, he he also wasn't that much of a character to begin with. He was right. just kind of there. Uh, so I don't think he would have added or subtracted anything from that scene. <laughs> I think it's just a lot easier to choreograph four than it is five. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that's the obvious thing. That's the obvious answer is he was taken out so we get this moment that we're talking about. But I don't think he would have, like I said, I don't think he would have, you know, provided any sort of extra entertainment value if he were there. He was just on vacation. Yeah. You know, every, you know, Mandalorian's got to take a hiatus from, you sure. know, for once in a while as well. He's on the beach, you know, we really, we should <laughs> he, be envious. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's on vacation. I was going to say he's on Scarif, but he can't be. That That's right. kind of been blown up. So <laughs> never mind. <laughs> So they they make it to the bridge, you know, with with pretty much uh, no issue, and then uh, Din Djarin makes it to uh, Grogu's cell, and of course Moff Gideon is waiting for him there with dark saber uh, ignited uh, and ready for use. Uh, I, I love I, I saw I saw a little uh, this was on Facebook not on Twitter, but there's a little little um, I, I don't know. Some some folks were calling out Moff Gideon uh, a little bit for being a flat character. I, I disagree with it. I think uh, I think he's doing a great job. I think that's a you know I think he plays an ISB agent very well, especially a senior ISB agent. But uh, what did you guys think of that that scene between uh, Moff Gideon and the Mandalorian? You know, I, I, real fast, I did want to say I did want to mention something about Gideon. Um, you know, in season one, we you know he he popped up towards the end. We didn't really know him. Um, I feel like he didn't do a lot in season two. Uh, and then this last episode, uh, again, I feel like uh, he was captured relatively quickly. And I know, you know, these episodes are short. It's television. It's not a film. You you, you kind of got to roll other narratives in there. So I, I did feel that, you know, it, it, he was probably for me the weakest point in, in the entire narrative. It could have been anybody. And the other thing, too, that kind of bugs me is that he wore this outfit with uh, the breathing apparatus, very similar to a TIE fighter pilot. And we we don't like practically you don't see like what it's for. It would have been nice to have him like come back from a mission. He's got a helmet and he takes it off. Um, I just found it kind of odd. I think if he's an ISB agent that uh, maybe took on the role of, of a moth, you know, after the death of Vader and uh, Palpatine. Um, it would have been nice to see him maybe in, in, in an ISB outfit, you know, like, um, like, uh, what's his name in rogue one. Uh, so obviously a little nitpicky, but, uh, you know, the devil is in the details as they say. And I think, uh, that's my, my two cents. I don't know what you guys think about that. Well, I, I like Moff Gideon. Uh, I, I think, you know, when you've seen, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have, but breaking bad and his awesome betrayal as Gus and just how, totally cold-blooded uh, and calculating he was in that. And to see him be a villain also in this, but played totally differently. These are totally different villains. You know, he different mannerisms, facial expressions, voice inflections. He plays it totally differently. So I, I appreciate that about what he's brought to the character. Yeah, I think I think as a villain, I think he really fits the show. Like his, the way he's acting it out, it really fits. And... He's just kind of a delightful villain. Like even like say I, I, now I'm fast tracking, but when they, when they all get into the where the bridge is, 
he's so happy at the at the friction he knows he's caused with the dark saber, and he, it's, he he does it in his face so well. He enjoys being smug in this. Yes, you know. Yeah, so I I think. Um, and that's why I was glad he lives because I feel like you could get so much more out of this character and, and maybe he hangs around and we do because the actor's just so phenomenal. I think, uh, you know, I think he's done a very good job and he's very different, but, but there, there's more they could do with him. There was one line. I can't remember what it was. Do you remember? I laughed both time we watched it. Like it, it was the way he delivered a line in that room when he's with Din Jardin. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. He's, he did say it a little flat, so I can see where some people would say that. But overall, I think, you know, he does a great job. Yeah, I got to I got to defend him here. And and, and uh, Backyard Tardis and, and a couple of folks mentioned in the chat as well. Um, yes, I agree. I think he was underused throughout the season. Uh, I don't think that and that's not his fault, you know, as an actor or as a character. That's just how they wrote, you know, this season. But he played quite the chess game. Uh, so he had he had two things going for him, and I don't know if some folks realize it. Number one, that chess game that he played with the dark saber, um, yeah. you know, knowing that was going to knowing that she had to uh, physically fight him to get that, and also makes you wonder even more how he got his hands on the dark saber. Um, and two, he had his insurance policy. He had the insurance policy. He knew that the dark troopers were going to be back into the ship. So he was just biding his time until the dark troopers uh, did their thing. But this go just goes to show again what an X factor the Jedi are in the set in, in the Star Wars universe. Because you know he had this in a, what you know what he said in in the bridge would have been one hundred percent correct. You know the only people alive are going to be him and, and the child and Grogu. Yeah. Um, and you know they just don't account, especially at this point in Star Wars history. They don't account for Jedi. So you can't account for that X factor. And that just makes your, you could have the best laid plan A, B, C, and D. Uh, but that Jedi X factor is going to make that, you know, all, you know, go to hell. So, well, you know, I, I, I think, I think he played it pretty well. And I think he was pretty smart on this episode. I, well, agree. I, I want to say on that, that's a great point because he is so smug and knows he's got these backup plans, knows he's caused some of this just to watch. Bo-Katan not get what she wants. Um, he enjoys causing strife. He does. But the one moment you see, like, he's like, oh, crap. Like, like he like knows. The light bulb goes on. He knows he's beaten is when Bo-Katan says a Jedi. In his face, he literally did such great face acting. You see the horror on his face. And it's like, I'm beaten. Like, like oh, I, I didn't account for this. Yes, yes. In my calculations, I didn't have this plan. This I had everything else, you know, checked off planned off but and not that this. and it was a quick moment but it was such great face acting like it relayed so much uh yeah and we had a couple couple mention uh, a couple of questions in the chat as well um taking it back a little bit to dr pershing and what happened with him i i had the same question we don't see him again uh i think him being on slave one is probably uh, a good bet or they kept him back on the shuttle uh i think slave one is probably the better bet on that one uh and uh, Dave says, I read that the Darksaber lore has been retconned since Rebels. I don't know what, exactly what that's in reference to. Do you I guys think uh, have you guys uh, heard anything like that? Uh, I, I was uh, skimming through the interwebs, and I think they were talking about the fact that um, in Rebels, I think uh, Bo-Katan was able to just take the, the, the Darksaber without uh, an actual battle. Um, 
I would have to go back and kind of look at that episode. I'm not sure exactly what the details are on that, but um, I think that's what they're referring to. I can see that. And uh, Amanda asked, do you guys think Bo will betray Din? And I think that's going to be, uh, we'll have to get back to that question later on. And I think that's going to be one of those, you know, one of the bigger questions that we have in, in future seasons of the Mandalorian, how that relationship is going to work between Din Djarin and Bo-Katan. But uh, going back to that holding cell, you know, baby Yoda, or I'm sorry, I can't say that anymore. Uh, <laughs> Grogu. Uh, how about the, the puppeteers and, and everybody else that works on, on baby Yoda with, like he caught me in the fields the entire time. This yeah. little guy looked wrecked the entire time. I he mean, did. He, looked, he looked seriously depressed the entire time. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think when he saw uh, or sense a, a Jedi, you know, and he starts to put his adorable little hands well, on the, no, uh, the first security. Is, first is, it's the first time the whole episode he, he starts up. to perk up. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. He did seem almost like I wouldn't have thought of that, I, but actually depressed. Like, uh, well, and I would say too, we don't know what they, they probably right. drained him of a lot of blood. He like, may be tired. He just seemed like he didn't have yeah. any energy. You know, he was down. Bless <laughs> Poor, poor little Grogu. Poor little Grogu. Yeah, the Empire isn't like they're not a good daycare. No. No, no. Lest we forget the little shackles, okay? Yeah. Bedside manner is not so good. But no. uh, how about that fight scene between Moff Gideon and, the, and Din Djarin? That was pretty good. I, I loved the fact that, uh, you know, he took out that, uh, the, I keep, I keep wanting to call it the adamantium spear, but that's, uh, the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, yeah, he took guard. out, he took out the Beskar, uh, the, the, you know, and, and fought with that. I love the fact that, you know, obviously it was impenetrable, but you can kind of still see that it was heating up. And, uh, the, I think the special effects team did a really good job at, at kind of, uh, you know, giving it that sense of, of, uh, you know, of dread that, uh, you know, this, this is a battle that uh, will have consequences or at least potentially have consequences. So I love that. Um, you know, again, they did a great job with the effects, the, the, uh, the sparks, the battle in the hallway, when they left the holding cell, it it was really, it was really great. And I think Mando held his own against, uh, you know, an opponent like, um, like Gideon. So I, I loved it a lot. I liked it a lot. Well, and just the pace of it, you know, it's like, he thinks, okay, which we as the audience are kind of like, really, you know, he's just going to let, like, he's being so reasonable. He's just going to let him. So it's like, he just takes a step towards and then just bam, you know, and they're off. So I just thought the pacing was awesome. Yeah. Like, like I said on our live stream, now we know why Juan Carlos Esposito mentioned breaking several uh, dark sabers because I mean, he's just coming. So I mean, he was giving it his all for sure. I definitely yeah, can't was... wait for, uh, you know, the Disney plus show where they talk about the behind the scenes. Um, yeah. it's, you know, I, I think I read that, the, they're going to have like one long one instead, instead of one for each episode. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm always intrigued at, uh, how they put all that stuff together, especially for a star Wars TV show of the caliber that, uh, the Mandalorian is. Yeah. So I, I got to direct this question at row. So we're on the bridge. Uh, we have the interaction between. Uh, Moff Gideon, Bo-Katan, Mandalorian. He talks about the dark saber, you know, pokes, you know, throws a few jabs at them that she's got to, you know, basically uh, fight him for it. 
And at the same time, we we see the the dark troopers. They're making their way in. If I have any complaints about the dark troopers, it's they couldn't just give them torch cutters. Uh, they have to uh, pound their way in with their fist through every door. I don't understand why they didn't get torch cutters, but besides, it's a plot device. Uh, yeah, I, I get it, but uh, bad design anyway. Empire. Anyway, we see those guys coming in. You better. Uh, yeah, complete, <laughs> completely soulless and ready to kill them all. And then, uh, Robe, you know, take take us there. Your feelings when you see that uh, that X-wing flying outside. Oh man, my God! Like I said, you know, last couple of episodes, I've been really uh, wanting that to happen, and I. Uh, you know, I changed a, a couple of my predictions uh, from Ahsoka to Luke Skywalker. Again, you know, I, I think it makes the most the most sense that he's the Jedi that uh, that Grogu reached out to, or at least that um, that was able to to uh, to listen to the call and come to uh, his rescue. Um, I would have been really disappointed if it was a Jedi that nobody knew. I, I think it would have been, uh, especially for a last uh, episode of season two, it would it, it kind of would have been a non-issue. Uh, not very exciting to leave off a season two of this show. Uh, I think now, uh, because they did use Luke, I mean, first of all, so, you know, Cara Dune says, oh, great, one X-Wing, we're <laughs> saved. And that's when I started to realize, oh, damn, are they going to do this? <laughs> And, you know, as an editor, I know that you kind of extend a sequence to kind of build up that excitement. And, you know, from the X-Wing landing to the slow, you know, walk of, of this hooded figure. Once I saw that green lightsaber yes. and the glove, I was like, <laughs> that You was had amazing. your jump off the couch moment, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> But you know what though? It's like you 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 you're still not sure. You're still yeah. not sure. And you know, again, somebody had posted that um, it would have been nice to hear the force theme, but I think that would have given it uh, away completely. I think they, I think it was perfect the way they did it. We're all sitting on the edge of our couch, you know, trying to figure out like, is that him? Is that him? Oh my God, they're going to actually do this! Holy crap! <laughs> And it almost seemed too good to be true for a minute. You're like, yes. you're like, I, I'm self-preservation. Like I'm yeah. going to tell myself like I, I, all signs are pointing to it's him, but I'm, I'm not quite going to go there. Yeah. yeah like she, she can tell you watching it live at first. We were like, up, you know, like, scream, like screaming up it's Luke. And then, and then I like in self-preservation said, well, well, maybe, maybe not. It's our too. Well, well, maybe not. <laughs> Uh, and then it was like, it's Luke! <laughs> yeah, and then when you see the, the the glove and the green, yeah, you're like, okay, it's official. Yeah, my, my son said he called it by the glove, and I'm with you. I had too much. Number one, I was mad because Roe was right uh, once again. Uh, but that was only like that was only like two percent of me that could be mad at that point. Um, but uh, I I tell you what, you know, we we talk about storytelling and proper storytelling. And, you know, how you show that a character is a badass. You don't just say that. You show it and you show it yeah. by how they interact with those around them, with, with the rest of the people, how they uh, how others see them and what effect they have in, in that uh, scene. So we saw how we talked about it a few minutes ago. Din Djarin could barely take out one of these these dark troopers. And, and rightfully so. They, they're just soulless killers. Uh, by design and he could be and, and I thought maybe they were made of best cars someone posted that on Twitter a couple of weeks ago I, apparently they're not but still a pretty 
sturdy metal, and he could barely take out one. And then you see this hooded figure just slicing and dicing. And, you know, that's how you know that, you know, this this is Luke Skywalker right here. Uh, we, we saw him in Star Wars Battlefront 2. You see what an awesome character he is in Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, for a very short time, for a very short scene. Um, but, uh, you know, we see it there and then just decimating these dark troopers like it's nothing. Using the force in every single way imaginable. And what I really love is that Sam Witwer on Friday, uh, I think he posted either Friday or yesterday, of course, Sam Witwer was a star killer in the Forced Unleashed video games. And he just talked about how happy he was at that moment uh, because these th this was straight out of Forced Unleashed. The way he just smashed up that last Dark Trooper. Yeah. Literally a move that you can do in Forced Unleashed. Uh, and, and he did it. He destroyed these guys in every single way. So you that's how and, – and I really do think – we've talked about this before, Ro. I think if – George Lucas had all these special effects available. I think that's the the Luke that we would have seen in Return of the Jedi. We kind of we we've, we've kind of given him a hard time over the last few decades because yeah he had his four, he had his kick that didn't even hit the guy uh, on that <laughs> sail barge, um, and that's about the extent of his uh, powers. But I, that was just I think the restrictions of, of movie making at that time. Yeah. I think if George had all these resources available this is the luke that we would have seen and we finally got to see him and i i couldn't have been more excited again my son needs to stop sitting so close to me when we're watching these episodes uh, luckily <laughs> he's got a, he's got about a year uh, he'll be fine um but yeah somebody had the nerve to call this predictable would would any of you describe the arrival of luke skywalker in the season finale of the mandalorian a predictable move by filoni and favreau no I mean, technically, Michelle, and I could kind of see what she was saying, so I guess you could say I agreed with her. She kind of did throw that out there episodes well, ago. That yeah, this was, like after I mean, after chapter six, you know, we went through, walked through the ones that are alive, and it's kind of like Ro was saying, we said that Luke makes the most sense. And I said my, even then, I was saying, though, uh, you know, my heart says it's going to be Luke, but my mind keeps yeah. telling me, no, they won't go there. There's no way they'll go there. You know, that's the self-preservation, yes. watching the episode, realizing, dang, I think this is freaking happening, but still telling yourself, oh, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Yeah. You know, it still was just kind of mind-blowing. So, you know, it, even if you thought it was a possibility, uh, no, I wouldn't say it was like, oh, man, that's predictable. Well, and Ro brought up uh, the galleries that they did. And if you guys remember, uh, Favreau and Filoni, they talked about how the Mandalorian is kind of like you've got a Bubba Fett figure and the rest of the side characters and you're playing outside. And it's like, but this season they're like, nah, we're going to take some of our older brother's good figures and we're going to begin to mix them into the mix with, with this show. And so I wouldn't say predictable. I think I, we did technically predict it. I think it was wish, wishful thinking. We we're like, man, that'd be awesome. I think a well, lot of us fans. I, wishful thinking. and But narratively, it made the most sense. It just did. And they were, I will say, intelligent enough to do it and to do it in a way that made our 39-year-old brother tear up. And so many, literally, we did a Twitter poll of how many people cried. And it was like, we had almost 300 people in it and it was like 76% of people cried in this episode. And a lot of it was men over Luke. 
Yeah. So not only did it, you know, personally make me happy, but just like, you know, I do think of our brother, our, our 39 year old brother, who it's just like, he was so let down, you know, and I know that there are big fans, but of the last Jedi, this was kind of some, uh, what's the word redemption, well, you know, it, for them to was, make things right. And I know that would hit row right in the heart too. It's what people <laughs> waited for, for so long yeah. and didn't get to see. And, and finally we get to see it. So it was just, to me, it was just, it was the one, it was the narrative move to take. It was the right move. And then it just gave the fans, I mean, it was just incredible. Yeah. We're just a bunch of dude bros, man. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the, the <laughs> I know Brad, I hate Brad that loves phrase. that. Brad loves oh, that. My God. But, you know, it's, uh, here's the thing. I mean, you know, we, we, I think we all wanted um, Luke to show up and I think, None of us, again, we all wanted it, but none of us really thought that they were going to do it because yeah. I don't know, whatever reasons, you know, obviously Mark Hamill is older. Uh, the technology maybe is not, uh, you know, up to par for this, for this show. How are we going to do it? Everybody's talking about Sebastian Stan. Um, you're not going to please everybody hundred percent, but like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that they actually went with, the logical choice again the same thing when it came to uh the end of solo a star wars story when all of a sudden darth maul pops up where the hell did he come from well it was logical because he was in charge of the you know of the criminal underground during that time and it just made sense if you didn't get it oh well go google it find a youtube clip and do your homework but narratively in the overall story of of this franchise that we've been thrown into it just makes sense i'm really happy they went that route yeah it made sense i just didn't think they were they were gonna do it i didn't think uh ear, earmuffs ladies i didn't think they had the balls to do it um you know <laughs> i just thought you know it, it was gonna be a, it was gonna be a second tier because you know yeah it's gonna be a jedi it's gonna be cool to see a jedi but it, they're not gonna put luke surely they're not gonna put luke on this thing he's gonna have some interaction with luke uh i just didn't think they would they would do it so i'm i'm happy to be wrong do you but, think uh, it's kind of like like the scale of this, like the Mandalorian, it's a big deal and it's becoming a bigger and bigger deal to more people, but it almost seemed like having Luke on, it was like too big, too big scale yeah. or something like, I don't know. Like, I guess it just, a lot of people maybe felt that way deep down. Yeah. But we, you know what? Once, once Ahsoka showed up, it was like, people were like, yeah. thing, you know, okay, Boba. And we said it on the podcast too. If they bring Boba Fett on this show, it's going to turn into the Boba Fett show. And it didn't. He's right. a great, he's a great supporting character. We said the same thing about Ahsoka. If they bring Ahsoka, it's going to turn into the Ahsoka show. And it hasn't. She was in here for one episode. She told Mando what to do. Go ahead and do it. And then forget about it. We're still interested in that main story that the Mandalorian is, is following. And it, it's been great. So at that point, I was like, you know, I'm thinking like, oh my God, yeah. So they're able to bring all these characters that we know and love um, into this thing again, because narratively it just makes sense. And I love it. Yes. So Natalie, talk to us about Ugly Tears. We're, 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 we're there. <laughs> we're, we're there in the show. Uh, talk to us how you felt uh, with that interaction between uh, Luke, uh, uh, Grogu, and uh, Din Djarin. I think it was just, okay, when he first, you know, Michelle and I pointed this out, but when he says um, he doesn't want to go with you, we say it's kind of like, AKA, I don't want him to go with you. It, he's already kind of like setting it up. There's just a lot of emotion there. 
and uh, gosh, just the whole thing between them. I think you started crying when Grogu reached for his mask, and then see, when, it still gets me when I think then about it. When he took it off, and there's some tears are in his eyes. It was it, it was literally <laughs> like I turned around, like what? <laughs> but and you could just see how much. I mean, he did such a phenomenal acting job too. Just the love in his face and the brokenness of the situation of like, I'm about to give up, you know, my most prized possession. Uh, you know how we all feel about our children. And um, it, it just was a little too much. Yeah. And the fact that the vulnerability for him to like, you know, and someone had made the point in our chat, like, uh, I want to look at you with my own eyes, kind of a yeah. callback, you know, I want to take my mask off. And, and I, also the vulnerability, I want to let you see me because you clearly want to. And it doesn't matter that there's people around like, this is for you. Like, I love you this much. And it, it she's about to cry again. <laughs> it just flew. It, it just got me, you know. And then the, when he finally puts him down and it, it call back to the end of season one and he, you know, puts his little hands on his boot, you know, like and looks up at him. It just the whole thing, man. Yeah. I mean, it was just awesome. And, and I would like to, I said this on our show and I want to say it again um, because some people are just running with the fact Grogu's out of the show. Um, definitely understand that, that John Favreau, who wrote this episode, when he has Mando tell the child, we'll see each other again. I promise. It was literally John Favreau looking in the camera and saying, everyone, don't worry. You'll see Grogu again. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, uh, you, you guys actually stole my next question, uh, or at least, uh, you know, half of it, but yeah, you know, Creed, you know, Mando Creed be damned. Uh, that helmet was coming off. And uh, like you said, to see that vulnerability, you know, I, I just got yeah. goosebumps with y'all, with y'all describing that scene. Uh, so that, that was a hell of a thing. And uh, again, we have Luke Skywalker, Luke, Luke Skywalker <laughs> standing right there. And, and that shows that this, this show is still about the Mandalorian. It's still about Din Jaren. Uh, he's still the focal point with Luke freaking Skywalker. <laughs> Standing right there. I mean, that is that is a hell of a thing. That is an amazing thing uh, for for Luke to be a, a side character, uh, you know, a supporting cast to, to this. It is amazing and because not at all distracting from him. Exactly. Like you're saying, you know, and I hadn't even really thought about that. The emotional weight in that moment, even with, like you said, freaking Luke Skywalker standing there, your emotions are still with Den, you know. So, yeah, good point. Yeah, because yeah. as I've said throughout this the season, that the child, the child, he's he it he's not just a prop, he's not just a plot device. Like he is the co-lead of the show, and the, literally the foundation of the Mandalorian is their relationship. Like that is it. Like that is what it has been, and it is. And so all the emotional weight was on the two lead characters. Like seeing each other face you know, to face for the first time. And I think that was part of my release, we shall call it. <laughs> it was you know, a release. <laughs> they, they put in the work character-wise. We've had two seasons leading up to this, you know, this emotional breakdown I had. Uh, but just of them growing in their love and trust for each other. You know, and then that final scene, which was a beautiful shot, in my opinion, with uh, R2, Luke, and baby Yoda. Oh, my God. And <laughs> when he turns around and he's holding him, and then, you know, you, it go, goes back uh, to Mando's face. And you can just see, once again, the brokenness in his face of saying goodbye. I mean, just wrecked me. Can, can I just admit that? 
I just want to admit that I think I got I more emotional. I got more emotional seeing R two D two than I did with seeing Luke. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what too. it was, but like yeah. seeing him just stroll up, I'm like, I I'm about to lose it right now. Uh, just seeing him, you know, stroll up, I'm like this. Like they say in episode four, like the circle is now complete. Like, oh my god, this is just amazing. And then to see uh, like an immediate bond between R two and Grogu, yeah. Uh, just just fantastic. Um, you know, he, here's the wonderful thing about Star Wars, and we experienced all this uh, for those of us who, who uh, you know, obviously who, who were uh, Star Wars fans in the 80s with The Empire Strikes Back. You know, George Lucas made a decision to make this little rubber puppet an important character in the Star Wars universe. And, uh, you know, there are behind-the-scenes um you know documentaries about how he really had this internal battle of uh you know is this gonna work i'm i'm hinging this entire narrative on this rubber puppet are we gonna are we gonna is this gonna backfire and the fact that we are here talking about this you, you know 40 years later um between you know the the scene between grogu and mandalorian the shot stays on Grogu when he's, uh, you know, have has this emotion. He's looking at him. They're watching. They're they're looking at each other face to face, and it's just a slow moment. And little Grogu's hand comes up and touches him. I mean, we're not thinking that this is some little rubber puppet. These are characters that, yes. you know, for whatever reason, they have so much life in them, and. It's fantastic. And again, not because it's a rubber puppet, it's because it's a character in in this story that we are all invested in. And that's um that's a pretty powerful thing when it comes to storytelling and something that um you know, we obviously we we all give George Lucas the credit for for uh you know, creating and 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 spearheading all of this. But you know, here we are decades later still talking about this franchise and that is exciting to me. Where it's going to go, I I don't know, but yeah, I mean uh, fan dad said there was not a dry eye in the house and <laughs> no. just like me, I didn't think I had any more tears. And then R2D2 shows up. I was done. Yeah, That was it. Yeah. Well, well, and that's a good point you make about, you know, whether it's puppets or droids, because, you know, R2D2, R2D2, Michelle and I have joked before he was kind of the original in our hearts, like Grogu. You know, it was like he yeah. was that we had such an affection, almost like a childlike character, but he was a character, even though he's this droid, you know, so it's like, absolutely. They, they have this like special place in your heart. So I think we need to talk about three paths going forward. Uh, the first being, of course, Grogu. And then we'll talk about the the Mandalorian aspect, where that's going uh, with the you know retaking of Mandalore and, and the Darksaber. And of course, we'll talk about the, the third uh branch uh you know what happened after the credits uh we'll talk about that last but you kind of already answered this question a little bit do we think grogu's gonna be on next season uh maybe not and is it okay for this show to not have grogu on it in the meantime i have very passionate feelings so i'll let someone else go. let's just say it's been a topic of conversation for the last 48 hours there's one thing that has brought fans together and is working for Star Wars, and it is the Mandalorian, and it is Din Djarin and Grogu. And I just don't think even from a financial state, they're going to screw with that right now. Like, 
Mando season three is coming and Grogu is going to be in it because Grogu is a cash cow. Like, like <laughs> you're going to get Michelle cussing <laughs> over here. She's going to get worse. <laughs> and Mandalorian has brought in so many average fans who don't even really watch Star or Wars. Or casual Star Wars fans or people that haven't ever watched Star Wars. Yes. And what are those fans there for? Grogu. Like, like, so I just don't think they're really going to screw with that. I think that's going to be something awesome that leads into Mando 3. And, you know, I definitely believe, again, to me, the heartbeat of the show is Grogu and Mando's relationship. And it's been my prediction for a while that that the child will be a Mandalorian Jedi. But, um, but so, so I believe he'll be back because you could also easily do, so say... You're a year, you know, this, say it does come out as we were told by Kathleen Kennedy just a week ago that it comes out December 2021. And we're assuming that truly is the Mandalorian season three, not Boba Fett. Um, you easily just have a show be like a year, like let it follow our time. It's a year forward and you easily just bring Grogu back to, I mean, back to him because uh, again, wording support it, I believe. Maybe a few episodes in, maybe the last episode of season three, they reunite. Maybe we get, like you said, I think that'd be awesome if we could have flashes of Luke training Grogu. That would be awesome. Um, does seem like a Hail Mary. You're right. But, you know, we've been proven, you know, that they'll, they'll do things now. We, we know that. Yeah, that, that would definitely be awesome. It just, um, they're going to bring the, the child back because it just... He's what draws so many people that they're just not going to, it would just totally alter the show. As I tweet out, it would be like removing 11 from Stranger Things. Can't do it. It, it just doesn't work. So I, I think it will be back for enough. Because originally Bob Iger mentioned like Mandalorian in like five seasons. Um, like an, And to me, the show easily does that. Uh but I, I think they'll be back with the show. I'm very passionate about my, my feelings. She's but very passionate if you can't my, tell. My bold prediction is Grogu will be back uh, after he has been, been trained. Oh, what I was going to say. Sorry, and then I'll let everyone else talk. Uh, Luke, if you catch Luke's wording, he says he will always be, he'll never be safe from the Empire until he's mastered his abilities. Like, the way it's even worded doesn't sound like, I'm just going to take him away forever. No, it's like, I'm going to teach him how to defend himself, and then he'll be fine. I'll, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, five seasons of The Mandalorian. I mean, five seasons for any show is kind of the norm in the industry. And I think, obviously, like you said, it's easy for The Mandalorian. There's a lot there that, that, we, can, uh, that we can be told uh, as far as the storytelling perspective. The fact that, that Luke says that I, I I'm always intrigued to find out what does this all mean in the grand scheme of things? Because, you know, I, I know the journey is the adventure and not necessarily the end. You know, we've got uh, shows like the Cassie and Andor show. And I know, you know, everybody's like, well, we don't want that show. Cause we know he dies. Yeah. But so what the adventure is there, but in this particular case, what does all of this mean? Because we already know that the Empire turns into the First Order, and we already know what happens in the sequel trilogy. Where is, we know what happens to Luke mentally. We, <laughs> uh, we, we see, 
where is Grogu? Where is his influence? Or where is the influence of these new Jedi that are supposedly being trained? And I know we got a a taste of of what happened to, um, you know, Luke's school and all that stuff, which, you know, I I think at this point, you know, things are a little jumbled uh, narratively because because of the sequel trilogy. Um, And I know they they're going to probably have to put pieces together to kind of make it all fit. Um, you know, there's crazy theories that, uh, world between worlds, let's erase the sequel trilogy. They're not going to do that. It's, it's going to be interesting going forward to try to figure out, you know, how are those pieces going to be laid out? And you know what? I'm, I'm calling Disney right now, Michelle, cause I'm going to have them uh, give you a call. I, I think you need to go over there and, and, and executive produce something. Cause I'll be back. Hold on a second. Hey, I I'm available. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I think. You know, anybody who's who's had kids knows that once you have kids, your existence to a great extent is defined by your children. So and we see that Grogu is his child now. Uh, So I don't see how you can have a Mandalorian show. There would be a huge void there. Um, So I'm with Michelle. and There there would be a huge void on there without Grogu because he'd be without his child. And uh, and I don't think we want to see that now. Uh, what I'm interested to see, though, is what's going to happen with with the dark saber and with Bo-Katan. Uh, I think it's going to be epic if we see a season full of uh, him working with Bo-Katan uh, and retaking Mandalore, and then we have this oh this other show on here where we have Boba Fett on Tatooine, you know, running the Hut Cartel there uh, from from Tatooine. So. Uh, what did you guys? And first of all, I'm glad I, I first I was pissed that we had no art uh, in the credits. I'm like, where's where's the art? And I was like, wait a minute, there's still like five minutes left. Uh, I think there's something here. Um, what did you get? What did you guys think of that final scene there after the credits? I I thought it was pretty awesome. I mean, just going back to to Jabba the Hutt's place, his palace, and I mean, I was telling or saying on ours, even the small details of. Fennec Shan, you know, shooting, you know, letting that woman go free, just boom, shooting that thing and, you know, let go. And then even Bubba Fett standing where he he doesn't fear being there because he knows Luke killed the, you know, killed the creature. So that's not an issue. And then, uh, okay, so homeboy, you know, Jabba's right-hand man, um, he's been eating. He's we been were laughing because he's definitely been <laughs> indulging on something. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I think they're taking all the Gamorrean's food because the Gamorreans still have these skinny legs. Yeah. So I think Bib, <laughs> Bib Fortuna's eating everything. <laughs> but and you could tell that uh what is the guy's name? The guy that was sitting yeah, what I forget his name. Bib it's Fortuna. just Bib. Bib, Bib. Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. <laughs> he was eating a lot of tuna. But um yeah. yeah, you know, he seems very nervous at the arrival. You can tell oh. he's kind of backtracked, like, hey, buddy, you know, being kind of a shyster. And then it's just like almost comical the way he's like, no, nah, I'm not here to talk. <laughs> you know, kind of gets him out of the way and then yeah. sits there on his throne. And I loved that the image of her, she comes and sits, you know, and has her drink. Like I just that thought it was awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Is they've done the job now through this, even in short doses. I, I'm one of those, I just didn't care about Boba Fett. Like I was a Han girl. He kind of seemed like a punk to me. He just goes out like a punk. And I just didn't really care about him. 
But the Mandalorian made me like this character yeah. all these years later. In one episode. You're and, like, okay, yeah. I get, you know, I get why people like them. And what they set up to me is very intriguing of sure. these two characters that are awesome at what they do and kind of the idea of like, I'm going to run this town now. Like, this is my thing. And yeah. I, I, so I think like, there's it, a new sheriff in town. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's going to be cool. That's why I definitely think it to me again, I, I, I'd be shocked if that is Mando season three. I bet it's more a mini series i don't see that having the legs that necessarily mando does at this point but but we'll see but i, I mean i'm very interested to see it and i uh just put up i did want to notice uh or i did want to mention fan dads uh we're talking about the staff that bib fortuna was holding it was the same staff that was uh, included in the kenny kenner action figure for that figure <laughs> and that's one of the cool things that I love about uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau. I mean, they were kids playing with these freaking toys, and now they're <laughs> producing the show. So it's that attention to detail I think that makes uh, makes it enjoyable because it's almost like you know we're there too, and we're doing all this really cool stuff. And and I really love it. Uh, the fact that <laughs> the fact that they gave him that staff from the Kenner toy is is pretty uh, pretty hot. Well, yeah, and I think that, that, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just say I think those are the only people that really should be in charge of something like this. I think that's kind of what was needed all along in these uh, projects after the original trilogy. Uh, you know, people like that that like live and breathe, and like you said, Ro, like you bleed Star Wars. Like that's kind of like you said, like you could be working on this stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I mean, that's that's what's needed, and that's why you're getting a great show. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think there are certain people that are that understand Star Wars and are fans and could be behind the scenes creatively. But there's also like, you know, the greatest Star Wars movie that was ever done, The Empire Strikes Back, Irving Kirshner directed it. He wasn't a Star Wars fan. He didn't like sci-fi. And it it was one of the best Star Wars out there. Rogue True. One, you know, the um, the the writer, uh, I can't remember his name. He wasn't a big Star Wars fan. And again, Rogue One is is top notch uh, up there in Star Wars films. So it's it's very interesting. You know, obviously you can go and cross the line of I'll use the term because people will understand it. The cross the line of fan service and eye roll moments and all that stuff. But um, you have to have a certain perspective of the story uh, and be true to it. And I think um, whether you're a fan or not, the creative people behind the scenes should take that into account um, in order to make a good story. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that they are fans is obviously icing on the cake. And I, 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 I'm pretty happy that it's turning out the way it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, because I think even say with Empire, you had George Lucas right there. Like it's still his vision and he's getting what he wants for the most part. I mean, the other guy's directing it, but it's still he's there to guide all the little details. Well, his creation sure. was right there. Yes. Where like sure. now you've got you've got Filoni there all the time to guide these little you know, nitty gritty details that we Star Wars fans love, whether he's writing the episode or not, which I think he only wrote like one episode, I think, or, or so, but, but he's there, but he's there working all the time with, with for, this those, info. for those yeah. little details and all these things. You know, he, I mean, he just, he's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be surprised if George Lucas himself didn't tear up a little bit at this episode. Me but too. That last, yeah. That, that last scene on Tatooine, uh, number one, nothing gets a Star Wars fan going like seeing those twin sons. And then to see 
Jabba's palace right after that. Um, and uh, that was that was that scene was gangster. That's what I put when I texted somebody else. That, that yeah. scene was gangster. And uh, yeah. um, you know, that was that was a Godfather type scene right there. Like you said, no words, just you know, shut up. Uh, yeah, I'm not and, here to talk. And took the throne. Yeah, and uh, looked uh, very Game of Thrones ish after he took the throne. Uh, my only question, which has been my question for years on Twitter now, where is Rod of the Hut? Where is Stinky? Now, I can understand why Bib took over because he's a little weasel after Jabba died. But where the hell is Stinky? Stinky better be in this Boba Fett series and he better be grown up and he, he better fight for his uh, family name, the Hut family name. I don't know. That's true. Um, That's true. So, uh, but I just had a thought while you guys were talking. Um, if we have a Boba Fett show, typically when there's Boba Fett, sometimes there tends to be a Han or a Lando. Could we see those uh, characters maybe from the Han Solo movie, right? Where obviously Billy D and, uh, you know, they, they, they can't do it anymore. Um, but uh, could we have our younger versions of uh, Han and Lando maybe make an appearance on this Boba Fett show? Wow. I just got the chills just thinking about the possibilities. That would be Ooh. pretty awesome. I think I feel like you'd probably get Lando before you got Han since I guess they, you know, they did confirm a Lando show. Um because if you had Han, I feel like Han would just shoot him. <laughs> Han would shoot first. <laughs> because I say Han has some yeah, I would say Han has something to say about to Boba Fett. <laughs> He's got a little beef, so yeah. He, he's a little salty. What'd you bring for dinner beef? <laughs> and it is too bad that we didn't get to see, uh, a, you know, some adventures between the, the rivalry of Han and Boba Fett. I think, um, you know, the, I, I thought when Solo was announced, I thought they were going to do a Boba Fett movie. And I thought there was going to be a little overlap, a little crossover the way that uh, they do it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You got a little bit over here and a little bit of, of, of this over there. And uh, I I think that was that would have been a great opportunity to kind of uh, show um, how these two characters, uh, you know, came to be. Uh, especially their relationship. I think, uh, you know, Brad, I've said it on the podcast a couple of times. It's almost like Boba Fett has this respect for, for Han, uh, in Empire Strikes Back when he's, uh, in carbon freeze, he says, put Captain Solo in the, in the cargo hold. There's a definite respect as, as professionals, as rivals, uh, you can really tell. And I, I just hope one day, uh, you know, we get to kind of see that roll out, uh, in a story somehow. We do know that, uh, I don't know how often it happened, but, but we know from the Rise of Skywalker that Lando does uh, like to hang out with Luke. Uh, and he did hang out with Luke uh, on right. some travels. So we got Luke back. We got Grogu. Maybe. Who knows? But, uh, you know, uh, I don't think we could have gotten a better season finale. Mm-mm. Well, I think they kind of blew the lid off with this, and now it's kind of like anything can happen, really. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Again, not expecting, you know, wishing, uh, but not expecting. I think uh, the appearance of uh, Master Jedi, uh, Luke Skywalker, really blew the lid off of things. Um, yeah. Again, you know, you you don't know what to expect in a TV show uh, with the Star Wars name on it. Um, we have a long way to go for uh, the next season. And uh, any, as the song says, anything goes, man. Well, I just have a question for you guys that I've already been thinking in my brain. 
So what color will Grogu's lightsaber be? I've got two that I'm thinking in my mind. You guys, you guys let me know. Okay. All right. So hear me out. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, wait. Oh, no, no, no. Loda, Yoda lost his lightsaber. Was Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He lost yeah, he it. Get, I was going to say, because maybe Luke had Yoda's lightsaber, but no, he definitely lost it in uh, Revenge of the Sith. But uh, there's only one color of, of, of lightsaber that matters, and that's green. And it'll be a green lightsaber. I like it. Bro, what says yeah, you? I, I, you know, <laughs> originally I wanted to say blue, um, but uh, green is probably what I would go for. Uh, the only thing is that, you know, this kid is only 50 years old, and it's going to take a while for him to, uh, you know, hone his training and um you know start to build his own lightsaber i i think it will it'll be a while before we actually see grogu with the lightsaber and again i what does this all mean we don't know yeah my, yeah my question, so, where like how do you this, sound, this is going to sound totally fanboy but i don't care like how do you how do you continue to top this like where, <laughs> well, where I have go from introducing luke skywalker where do you go from here how, yeah, do gonna gonna have, guess, how do you go up? How do you go up? straight to the yeah. top. <laughs> exactly. That's what amazes me. We did go straight to the top. Again, you know, we, you know, some of us predicted it. Some of us kind of uh, thought of it, had it in our, the back of our, our mind. Um, and it, it happened. I, I don't know how you would top it. I think, you know, uh, we're going to have to get some, uh, it, it's going to have to be uh, story-wise. We're going to have to yeah. really... Um, you know, take a vested interest in 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 what is going to happen with these characters in order for us to be emotionally connected. Uh, you know, I, I think the visuals are great. It's a given. It's Star Wars. Um, but I think, you know, the other aspect of a good uh, franchise like this is how the stories start to roll out. We see that in the Clone Wars. We see that in Rebels. All the uh, stories that we've been given uh, up until this point um you know the uh the visuals are are kind of back there um the front and center should definitely be story and uh, i'm really excited to see how this all plays out we want it now like we want it today let alone uh beyond. i want it all yeah <laughs> we we just want extra Boba Fett needs to be an extra because we all yeah we, we want to see what happens next <laughs> You know, Ro, we, we thought we had uh, something genius when we came up with the scuttle cheeks. We thought we had a good rating system, but I think we're going to have to throw that out for, uh, we're, we're going to have to come up with something new for season three. I don't, they're, they've been, uh, <laughs> they've been four for like, uh, what, three or four or yeah, five well, shows now. I don't, I mean, that, that, that uh, goes to show you how great, uh, you know, these shows have been the last few episodes. It's been just, you know, top notch uh, from the get go. So, uh, I'm all for, uh, you know, continuing with the cheeks, but uh, we definitely, you know, come December of next year, we'll see what happens. Yeah. How do you, how do you top Ahsoka? Well, we'll th just throw Luke Skywalker in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't where know. Does, where, do, where does it go from here? Absolutely. Well, I think we missed the most important part of this show, and uh, – as we uh, as we say goodbye, I just want to let everybody know, three out of four people uh, prefer the butt over the scuttle. Uh, <laughs> so as uh, as Rose says, uh, I'm the butt to his scuttle. So three out of four people prefer me over Roe. I don't think Roe realized I was doing that on the scuttle butt, uh, but here I am. You're you're welcome that I'm here. 
but uh, yeah, it's Rose. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks for uh, a great what a great show. And uh, we've had a fun couple of months talking about the Mandalorian. I think we'll still be doing it uh, here for a little while longer. But we have some uh, new content coming out, uh, and uh, uh, happy to, again to be talking about other things Star Wars as well. And we'll be getting right into it with the Sith and, and other topics. So um, we'll, we'll still be chatting Mandalorian, but we're going to explore some other things as well. And more uh, mega crossovers with a lot of our Red 5 family. I just love these shows when we uh, invite folks over. It's uh, really great to chat with everybody and uh, have everybody in the chat as well uh, on our Scarif Lives. Brad, it was an amazing time for you to hang out with me. It was, it was, uh, it was the pleasure was all mine. I assure you what a season finale force of light entertainment. Uh, Natalie, Michelle, thank you very much for joining us. Tell us, uh, and our wonderful audience where people can find you. First off, thank you for having us. Yes. We love being here. Yeah, well, we'll have, we've been wanting to have you guys back on too. Yes. Always fun to be with our red five family. But you can find us. Um, we are on YouTube at Force of Light Entertainment. We are all places podcasts are. And you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Force of Light Entertainment. Uh, yes. Uh, well, did you finish? Did you finish your beer? Of course. Sam Adams. Is, is <laughs> of course. Is, uh, there you go. There you go. And uh, whenever Luke Skywalker is in the building, it is always sunny on Scarif. And that, dear friends, is the scuttlebutt. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>